0: Creative Legals, the show that helps you understand the law around property investment, whether you are a vanilla landlord or doing creative deals. Because what you do not know could cost you. Creative Legals, law for creative deals. Joining us now, your host, Julie Condliffe, the legal diva, successful property investor and specialist property litigation solicitor. Hey, thank you so very much for joining me again today where we discuss evictions. So understanding eviction rules, understanding the eviction process. Um, There's been quite a lot of changes recently. So I think before we get into the actual technicalities of the eviction rules and the eviction process, I think it would be prudent for us to start by acknowledging where we are and the recent changes to the eviction process. So, we're in November 2020 and to protect against the um, coronavirus transmission, bailiffs have now been asked not to enforce evictions during Uh, the national restrictions in England, which commenced on the 5th of November 2020. So bailiff action is only allowed in the most serious circumstances. The serious circumstances include things like illegal occupation, antisocial behaviour, fraud, domestic abuse um, in social housing and matters such as those um, and the government is actually considering um, whether or not to introduce an exemption for extreme uh, pre-COVID rental arrears um, so we'll get an update on that in due course and I'll be sure to to keep you updated so if we consider lockdown two and these additional restrictions couple those with the um Christmas truce uh, the pause on enforcement of evictions starting in December um, that then takes us to January 11th of January that's when evictions or indeed the enforcement part of it uh, through bailiff action will start so nothing is going to happen effectively until um, the 11th of January. And even then, we don't know for definite whether eviction proceedings will meant right away. So I think it's very, very important that if we are going to kickstart the eviction process now by way of service of notices, we actually have a good understanding of exactly what we're doing and that we do it right at the outset. Otherwise, if we get it wrong, can you imagine the potential delays? So that's why, I'm going to be running this eviction series to help property investors, to help landlords, to help letting agents understand what needs to be done and how it's done. One of the questions I'm commonly asked is, can I evict someone right now? Can I evict my tenant? November 2020, lockdown to England. December 2020, lockdown to England. Can I actually evict a tenant right now? The short answer to that is yes. The long answer is it depends. It depends in relation to timing and the type of notices that you need to use. It also is circumstantial, isn't it? It depends on the set of circumstances. So, yep, let's talk about that. The backdrop of this is that the UK government suspended the legal right of landlords to evict tenants during the COVID-19 pandemic. We all know that the COVID-19 Um, pandemic, coronavirus, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, it has presented some unprecedented challenges over the greater part of 2020. A significant amount of people have had to either self-isolate, they've been furloughed or have had to deal with some sort of ordeal um, one way or the other, COVID-wise. Inevitably, this has meant a reduction in earnings, so many tenants have found it more challenging or more difficult to afford to pay their rent. Many landlords have also found it equally difficult to honour their mortgage payments. There is a common myth That landlords have got money bags, money bags under their beds. Um, All of a sudden, when you become a landlord, you'll miss money bags or mister money bags. But the reality is, there are many, many landlords out there who are also struggling. Many landlords are having sleepless nights. Many landlords are having, you know, Eye bags under their eyes because of the struggles that they are also facing. So, in as much as we appreciate the tenants' struggles, I think we should also acknowledge the struggles that some landlords are actually facing financially, emotionally, and loads of other different ways. These are challenging times, so we must come together and work together. To prevent a rise in homelessness, the UK government announced that tenants could stay in their properties until at least the 20th of September 2020. So evictions were halted up until that date through various moratoriums and extensions. So tenants could not be evicted, but they can be evicted now. And what I'm finding um, is this, There've been two distinct camps in terms of non-payment of rent. Um there's been those tenants who have genuinely struggled and, and have been unable to pay the rent. Then there've been the other tenants who just wouldn't or just won't pay the rent because the option seemed available, the option seems available. So there are those that just won't pay and then there are those that genuinely can't pay. So it's how do you determine between the two? Um, Some tenants are on furlough, they've been furloughed on full salaries, but you find that they're actually just not paying the rent. And then, you know, some are genuinely struggling. So, you know, they just perhaps cannot afford to pay the rent. So it won't pay or can't pay. I've done a separate uh, recording on that, uh, which you're welcome to to to, to listen to. But, but the summary of it is the ban was lifted. So now we can proceed uh, with the eviction proceedings. I think, realistically, this is more theoretical than practical. Um Some of my clients have served reactivation notices, um, had bailiff's appointments, um, but these have now been rescheduled or cancelled, as I stated earlier, due to the bailiff's moratorium and also the Christmas truce. So that's going to take us to January time around the 11th. So nothing is going to happen this side of Christmas. As a landlord, property investor, letting agent, there is nothing to preclude you from commencing or indeed continuing the eviction process. The likelihood of you getting your property back this year is next to nothing. You're not likely to get your property back. That's that. But also, even if you chose to go ahead with the evictions, you've got to have a good reason for the eviction so a good reason could be that the tenant is not paying rent. Whilst this is a legitimate reason for an eviction, we also need to be mindful of, you know, the COVID season and the fact that tenants, or at least some of them, are struggling um, financially. So my recommendation is negotiation. Try and negotiate with the tenant try and find a middle ground if at all possible and always use evictions as the last resort. Use evictions as a weapon of last resort. Again, I discussed this um, in a separate recording. Um, so a good reason for eviction could also be a tenant's violation of the terms of the tenancy. So the tenancy agreement that your tenant signed at the outset of the tenancy is a legally binding document. Breaching the terms of that agreement could warrant eviction. So, rental arrears, good reason. Tenants violation of tenancy terms, good reason. Another good reason could be that perhaps the tenant has caused damage to the property. Accidents happen. We know that. But, we also must be accountable for our actions. The damage referred to here is normally reckless property damage, criminal property damage, intentional property damage, you know, something that falls along those particular lines. This could be caused by irresponsible decision-making, or perhaps, you know, an absence of common sense. Common sense does go for a walk sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Property damage is a breach of contractual terms and could be a good reason for the eviction. The law doesn't actually require you to have a reason for the eviction, good reason or otherwise, and that is the current set of circumstances. So you are allowed to take your property back just because you want it back. It is your property after all. I think that's reasonable, don't you? But other people don't actually think so. Running this uh, removal campaign of the Section 21 landlord's right to evict a tenant, they're saying that, you know, the Section 21 should be abolished. And that, I, you know, I've got feelings about that. I'm quite passionate about that because I think that letting a property can be likened to letting someone borrow Um, or use an item that you own Um, so the item belongs to you and you let you let someone else use it for a defined period of time for a fee so you're letting somebody use your house they pay you a fee by way of rental yeah so it's a bit like borrowing a book from the library based on a membership. Well, look, I'm not taking, you know, property investment lightly. I'm not taking renting a property lightly. I'm mindful of the fact that this is somebody's home. So I get that. But run with me um, with this analogy. So you borrow a book from the library based on, you know, a membership fee. You know that you've got to give the book back um, when the time is due. So here you let a property to someone, someone uses your property, they pay rent on it and it's for an agreed period of time. So it's for six months, it's for 12 months and they know that they have to give it back. So they've got to return the book back to the library. They've got to give the property back to you because that is what has been contractually agreed you know as part of the deal as part of the membership as part of the rental uh, agreement so the librarian doesn't actually have to start giving you detailed reasoning as to why you should give the book back you borrowed the book you know you ought to give it back so you know give the book back you were renting a property the landlord now wants the property back so why not give it back why do you have to give all these detailed reasons. Why do you have to have grounds to take back your property? You know, you knew you were borrowing a book. You knew you were renting a property. It's time to give it back. So just, you know, do it, give it back, you know, find another property. That's how I look at it. Why then does a landlord have to expend a lot of money in court, legal fees, court proceedings, possession proceedings? to try to get a property that he owns back and allowed you to live in it. I've rented properties and I've had to, you know, let them go and move on. So this abolition of section 21 notices, I personally don't agree with it. I just think that a landlord is entitled to have their property when they need it, when they want it. They don't have to beg you to get the property back. They don't have to find detailed reasoning and have a solicitor, you know, draft pleadings just to try to plead to get their property back. Anyway, I don't even know how we were sidelined to talk about that, but it's an issue Um, that is close to my heart. I value tenants. And I think that, you know, we should all value tenants because as as property investors, as landlords, um, tenants are important. You know, tenants are, they're your business, really, because if you buy to let, you need somebody to be able to let the property too. And that is a tenant. So, you know, tenants are very, very important to, 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 to us. There's no doubt about that. But I also think that, you know, the whole, landlord-tenant relationship has to be fair. If somebody wants their property, then they ought to be allowed to get it back. That's that. Side note, over let's get back to the eviction process um so you can now evict a tenant you need to have um you know a, a, a good reason legally you know you, you you're not forced to and um, but, but in my view um it's it's a good idea to so that is section 21 eviction route where you can evict a tenant currently it is permissible um without giving a, a very very um good reason indeed without giving any reason. You don't need any grounds to rely on Section 21 eviction route. So that's that. So whilst you don't have to actually have a good reason or give a good reason, having a reason will determine the route you take eviction-wise because you can utilise the Section 21 route or you can utilise the Section 8 route. Um, Section 8 gives you quite a lot of grounds, quite a lot of legal reasons um, to enable you to evict a tenant, for example, if your tenant is in rental arrears, you may want to seek possession of the property using a Section 8 notice. In using a Section 8 notice, you'll be required to set out certain grounds for evicting the tenant. This is pursuant to Schedule 2 of the Housing Act. Um, so your tenant agreement will need to have a provision. In this regard, just watch out for a separate recording on tenancy agreements and what must be contained um, in a tenancy agreement. So if you're using the rental arrears route, if your tenant is in rent or arrears or rent arrears, uh, there are three primary grounds that you can rely on, on a Section 8 notice. So the first ground is Ground 8. This ground requires that both at the date of service of the Section 8 notice and At the date of the hearing, if rent is payable weekly or fortnightly, at least eight weeks rent remains unpaid. If rent is payable monthly, at least two months worth of rental arrears are subsisting. If rent is payable quarterly, at least one month's quarters rent is more than three months in arrears. If rent is payable annually, yearly, at least three months rent is more than three months in arrears. So just to repeat that, if you are seeking to rely on ground eight based on rent arrears, you need to have both at the date of service and at the date of the hearing, yeah, if rent is payable fortnightly or weekly, you need at least eight weeks rent to be unpaid. If rent is payable monthly, you need at least two months rent to be unpaid. If rent is payable quarterly, you need at least one quarter's rent to be more than three months in arrears. If rent is payable every year, yearly or annually, then you need at least three months rent to be more than three months in arrears. That was a bit of a mouthful, but I'm sure you got it. (laughs) And for the purposes of ground eight, rent means rent that is lawfully due from the tenant. Um, So no dodgy gimmicks allowed here. So, Ground eight was the first of three grounds. The second ground is ground 10. With ground 10, some rent must be lawfully due from the tenant. Just some rent. So there's no time reference required here. So we don't need to worry about, you know, at least two weeks, at least one month, at least quarterly um, or that kind of thing. So um, just any level of arrears will suffice. This applies in circumstances where rent is unpaid on the date on which the proceedings for possession are begun. Okay, so the date of the proceedings and their arrears at the date of service of the notice. So those two um, timelines are important: uh, commencement of possession proceedings and the date of service of the notice. Simple enough, isn't it? Yep, I think so. What I need to highlight here is, in my experience, tenants have been quite savvy. They're getting a lot smarter over the years in that they know that if the arrears are under two months at the date of the hearing and possession may not be granted, so it may be that at the date um of service of the notice, you actually had two months worth of arrears. And as you get closer, as you get nearer and nearer to the actual hearing date, your tenant starts paying some of the rental, which is brilliant, by the way. Um, But when you get to the date of the hearing, if you are just even slightly under that two-month threshold, um, even by one pound, if you're relying or if you were relying on ground eight, you would not be successful because ground eight is explicit. It expressly states that, you know, two months worth of arrears you've got to have. So yeah, this particular ground, ground 10, helps actually to cover that because all we need is some level of arrears outstanding at the time so that's why i always say to my clients if you're pleading ground eight you also need to have ground 10 in your back pocket and ground 11 so ground 11 is the third ground uh, which is used or which i would also recommend when it comes to rent arrears evictions Ground 11 applies uh, whether or not there are any arrears uh, on the date on which the proceedings for possession are began. So yeah, this is a bonus one. The requirement is simply that the tenant has persistently delayed in paying rent when rent has been lawfully due. So let's just say you've got a, a tenant whose rent payment date is the 10th of every month. And the tenant has over a period of um, time been paying rent sporadically, like maybe on the 11th of the month and then the 16th and the 18th or whatever date of their choosing, really. Um, you may be able to rely on this particular ground. So, yeah, these are the three primary eviction grounds to rely on for your section 8 rental arrears notices. Some important points to note about section 8 notices. Out of the three grounds that we've just discussed, only one of them is mandatory. As a landlord, you want to focus on mandatory grounds. Why? Well, because with mandatory grounds, the judge's hands are tied. <laughs> okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Judge's hands are are tied in the sense that on mandatory grounds if you can actually prove as in ground eight that they are rental arrears for the relevant period a judge must grant possession if you use discretionary grounds in discretionary grounds such as your grounds 10 and 11 a judge has discretion as to whether or not to grant you possession. Possession will be granted in circumstances where a judge is satisfied that it is reasonable in all the circumstances to grant a possession order. So you've got your mandatory grounds and then you've got your discretionary grounds. I would always recommend going for mandatory grounds. You don't want to allow scope for discretion Um, which can be disadvantageous to you. The Section 8 notice must be in a particular form. It must be in a prescribed form. I've provided you with a link to enable you to utilise the latest one, the compliant one. Um, You can commence court proceedings as soon as the notice expires. Be mindful of the new notice periods per the COVID-19 requirements, the Coronavirus Act 2020. Before 26th of March 2020, the notice period depended on the reason for the eviction. Notices for rental arrears only required about two weeks. Between the 26th of March to the 28th of August, the notice period was extended to three months. On or after the 29th of August 2020, the notice periods were extended to six months, which is a very, very long time. Um, but there are a few exceptions with your Section 8 notices, particularly the rent arrears, which is what we are focusing on right now. If your tenant has six months, or more uh, worth of arrears, then that could be expedited by way of four weeks' notice. So I discuss eviction grounds, and I also discuss notice periods in a different recording. So be sure to look out for that the section 8 notice is valid for 12 months so if you don't start court action within that 12 month period the notice will expire and you don't want that so use it or lose it so that's that with a section 8 and a section 21 notice the period has been extended as well to 12 months so the section 21 notice is valid for 12 months. If you don't start action within that period of time, the notice will expire. Again, use it or lose it. Literally, is that simple. So now with your section 21 notices, we've already established that you don't actually need to set out any specific grounds. So there aren't any Um, grounds required when it comes to section 21 notices. So you can use a section 21 notice to evict your tenants either after expiration of the fixed term, if it's a written contract, and I would encourage you to have a written contract. There really isn't a requirement in law to have a written tenancy, but in my experience, um as a solicitor who's done this for over 15 years i would say that it's it's important um it's actually almost crucial to have a tenancy agreement because it sets out um the terms of the agreement between the parties so yeah let's get it done so you can use the section 21 notice to evict your tenants during a periodic tenancy, so that is a tenancy with no fixed end date, commonly referred to as a periodic tenancy. So you can use your Section 21 um, eviction notice in both of those circumstances. Um, There are specific prohibitions on using a Section 21 notice in England. You can't use a Section 21 notice if it's less than three months from the tenancy commencement date. So um, the tenancy start date is important. You cannot evict a tenant within four months of that particular date. That's point number one. And then point number two, you cannot evict a tenant in a property categorised as a HMO, a house in multiple occupation, if you don't have a HMO license. So, if you're going to let out single rooms and your property is classified as a um, house in multiple occupation, then you really need a HMO license. And I know that there are quite a lot of people who do rent to rent training and then they start their landlording journey uh, based on the training that they've got. Some of the training is amazing. Some is perhaps not as amazing. But that's another story for another day. So if you are a rent-to-rent landlord doing Letting out single rooms and the property is classified as a HMO, you also need to get a HMO license, like all other landlords would be required um, to do. So, this applies to vanilla landlords, it applies to rent to rent landlords, and it also applies to lease option landlords. Um, And if you need help, our details are at the bottom of the screen somewhere. Feel free to contact us, and we'll be more than happy to advise you in that regard. So you cannot use a Section 21 notice if the tenancy started post the 1st um, of April 2007 and you have failed to protect the tenant's deposit. You cannot use a Section 21 notice if a tenancy started post-October 2015 and you've not used the correct prescribed eviction form for the notice. And the form is form 6A, which we've got for you on our website. And the link is somewhere on the screen or in the comments. You're also prohibited from using a section 21 notice in circumstances where the council has served an improvement notice on the property within the last six months, actually. So yeah, if the council served an improvement notice within a period of six months, regrettably, you won't be able to rely on a section 21 notice. Um, That also is the case where The council served a notice um, requiring you to carry out emergency works on the property. um, And that's within a period of six months as well. If that's happened, then you won't be able to rely on a Section 21 notice. And we've also got the Tenant Fees Act of 2019. If you've not refunded any unlawful monies collected um, in accordance with that act, then you won't be able to rely on. The Section 21 eviction route. Um, I will set out in detail the regulations and the rules and the requirements under the Tenant Fees Act. Um, but in summary, as a landlord, you cannot require a, a tenant or anyone acting on behalf of the tenants guaranteeing the rent, you can't require those people to make particular payments in connection with the tenancy. So you can't ask them to enter into a contract with a third party or make a loan in connection with the tenancy. The only payments that you're allowed to charge in connection with the tenancy are things such as the rent, a refundable tenancy deposit, which will be capped at no more than five weeks rent, where the annual rent is less than £50,000 or six weeks rent where the total annual rent is over the £50,000 threshold. You also are allowed to collect a refundable holding deposit like a reservation fee and that is capped at less than um, one week's rent, actually capped at one week's rent. So that's the maximum that you can take as a holding deposit and you're also allowed to make um, some payments to change uh, the tenancy terms um, if requested by the tenant. Again, the maximum that you can charge here is normally £50. Um, If it's a higher fee that you charge, you have to evidence that that particular charge, that particular fee is reasonable in all the circumstances. You're also allowed to charge payments associated with early termination of a tenancy, thus if the tenant requested the early uh, termination of the tenancy. There are also some uh, payments that are allowed in relation to utilities, uh, such as your TV licence, council tax and communication services. And a default fee for late payment of rent or replacement of a lost key, security fob, you're allowed to charge for those. Uh, anything else that's out of that will be called a prohibited uh, payment and you won't be able to uh, rely on Section 21 unless if you've repaid any of those prohibited payments that were made. A gas safety certificate is also important um, for you as a landlord to provide to your tenant. And if you fail to provide a gas safety certificate, if gas is installed at the property, then you won't be able to rely on a Section 21 notice. That was quite a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought so. So, we'll we'll do a separate um, recording for that, but today's recording is just to give you an overview of the whole eviction process. So, ordinarily, Section 21 notices required you to give two months' notice, but we all know, similar to what we discussed on the Section 8 side of things, Things have also changed Section 21 notice-wise during um, the COVID-19 period and as a result of the new statutory instruments implemented to help. So because of that, we now need to give a longer notice period. If you gave your tenant notice between the 26th of March 2020 and the 28th of August 2020, the notice period... um, required would have been 3 months if the notice was given post the 28th of August 2020 then the notice period would be 6 months in England the rules are different um in other parts of the country and you may need to give a longer notice period if you have a contractual periodic tenancy Um, this is a fixed term tenancy that has ended but included a clause to continue as a periodic tenancy. Uh, The amount of notice must be the same as the rental period. So uh, if this is more than two months, for example, if your tenant pays rent every three months, then you must give three months notice. The important thing to consider here is if you give your tenant's notice. That could be a section 8, that could be a section 21, that could be a notice to quit. If you're dealing with your common law um, tenancies, whatever notice you give, one of the key points to take away is that you need to prove that you've given the notice. Most of the legal disputes um, that surface are uh, because one party saying, I gave the notice, the other party saying, they never received the documentation. So you need to be able to prove that you've actually given that the notice. So keep your proof of postage, send your post by recorded delivery, or just get something from the post office, like proof of postage, showing that you actually posted the documentation. And what you may also want to do is to provide a notice of service. And that's a standard form, which you can find on our website or online. It's called a certificate of service and it's a form n 125 5 That goes a long way in terms of um, attempting to prove service of a document. So what we've discussed so far is actually stage one of the eviction process. We focused on the notices required, on the options available to you, um, dependent on you know the the reason behind the eviction, and also dependent on your circumstances, the tenant circumstances, your requirements. So that is only the first stage. The second stage would be if the tenant doesn't actually vacate the property on expiration of the notice period? What do you do? Do you just go right in and change the locks? Do you go in and take back possession of the property? Well, the short answer is no, you don't. Um, You cannot just take back possession of the property without a court order. So you need to issue court proceedings in the event that a tenant doesn't actually vacate the property. So you need to apply For what is called a possession order. If you're relying on Section 8, you can expedite the process by using Possession Claim Online. Possession Claim Online um, is an online service um, that. I use quite often and it's it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'll share my screen with you and showcase exactly how that is done. So the current court fee is £325. That's in November 2020. If you are using the Section 21 eviction route, um, you can adopt the accelerated uh, procedure, which again, I'll talk about in a lot more detail, but um, the, the the theory is that accelerated possession orders are much quicker than applying for a standard uh, possession order, as there's usually no court hearing. But what you need to be mindful of, or what you need to be aware of, is if the tenant files the defence, even if it's a flimsy, unmeritorious defence automatically um, this will move from an accelerated possession to a standard possession. So I think that's something that you just need to be aware of. In respect of both Section 8 and um, Section 21, if you made a possession claim prior to the 3rd of August 2020, you're required to complete a reactivation notice to tell the court whether or not you want to continue the claim. If you don't want to continue the claim, you don't have to file a reactivation notice. But if you want to continue the claim, then you must complete a reactivation notice and you also need to give a copy to your tenant there is a deadline for that and that's the 29th of january 2021 so once you've issued court proceedings the case will progress naturally if the tenant doesn't defend the claim it goes ahead to a hearing that's if it's not accelerated if it's accelerated like i said you don't actually need to have a hearing so if the tenant defends the claim then it's likely that directions will be made as to the progress of the claim up until you get to court. And then at that point, the judge will decide whether or not to give you judgment for possession of the property, which is a possession order. Even after receiving the possession order, you still cannot go ahead and simply change the locks. You have to wait for the last Part of the process, which is where you apply for your possession warrant, your warrant uh, for possession, your warrant of possession. You, that is commonly referred to as the bailiff application. Then you get your bailiffs, and they're the ones who are authorized to formally evict your tenants, and you'll have a locksmith there to change the lock. So that's the only time or that's the part of the transaction where you can lawfully change the locks. Anything else done prior to that could amount to an unlawful eviction. I hope that helped give you an overview of the eviction process. I will get into a lot of detail uh, relating to each and every stage of the process. So thank you so very much for joining me again today. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on Creative Legals. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. Stay up to date. Subscribe to our weekly updates using the links below. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. Creativelegals.com Faster. Smarter. Better.